This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. sentence i know amazing wow. we've never i've never been here you've never been here oh no you were here for- i have been here yeah shit all right let's yeah. start over <laughs> but when i was here i was here in high school uh-huh. on one of those tours where you go to one uh country a day in like oh. yeah so it's just like we were just in france and we got drunk in france now we're gonna get drunk in amsterdam <laughs> Whose idea was that? It, you know, my high schools. Ugh. American high schools, you guys. They're real <laughs> stupid. Uh, yes, we got high. For high school, yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, I, well, I've never been here, and I am madly in love with it. I met four cats yesterday. Oh, my, and each one was cuter than the next. They were all happy to see me. In the beginning. <laughs> And then I just got real grabby. (laughs) That one, it looked like you guys, it looked like you're going to take that first one home. Yeah. Then. It was this moment of like joy because we went and sat down at this outdoor cafe by a canal. It was so beautiful. I had this great dress on and we were having a beer and it was like my fucking ideal day. And then this fucking, the first cat comes up and we're just like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then it, I was going to like, try to put it on my lap, but I was scared I was going to get scratched and everything. And instead it was like, give me a minute, and just jumped on my lap without even me asking. And I was just in heaven, and I was petting it, and petting it, and petting it. You and took so many pictures. Yep. So, so many pictures. And then it was done, so it bit me and ran away. Yeah. <laughs> Which I totally respected. It was like, I'm done, bye, goodbye. And now I'd say she has about four days to live, <laughs> r- Roughly. It was a fight like Mimi's. I was used to it, where it was like, no, no breaking of skin. Yeah, just fuck just you. Goodbye. Fuck you. Goodbye. But what's funny is when that cat first walked up, it was like the cutest cat you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And when that cat bit you and ran, I was like, God, that cat was dirty. <laughs> Suddenly it was like, oh, it's covered in soot. Yeah. What's it doing? I definitely wouldn't have done that if I were home because I could just bring my dirty dress back to the hotel room and put it somewhere, <laughs> but I wouldn't have brought it home to my house. You know? What I loved is that I would say about 20 minutes later, George is like, I'm covered in fleas. That cat had fleas. <laughs> I, that I, cat had lice. What were you saying? Please, please. Fleas. Yeah. It was really funny. It definitely had fleas. She was like full body fleas. I'm like, the cat was on your dress. <laughs> the fleas haven't had time to leave that dress area. <laughs> They're sticking around. Yeah. 
Speaking of, we had our laundry done. We've been on tour for not very long, but we had our first day off yesterday. And, oh, my God, we smelled so bad. Every Our clothes, were, these dresses. Mine we, still does. Oh, right. I can't, I couldn't machine wash That's, this dress. Yeah. And I was like, I should just roll the dice and try it. Because talk about cats. This dress smells <laughs> like 19 cats. <laughs> Panicked and peed all over it. It's... Oh. Not a good smell at all. <laughs> and But when I collected up all my laundry to get done, I was just like, no, just get the key items that like are depressing me the most. I have one sweatshirt that smelled so much like yogurt. <laughs> it was just, it was really horrible. And I was like, I'll just power through it. And then, yeah. and then we got our laundry done. Our la- Vince, miraculous. find a fucking partner who will go do laundry in a foreign country. <laughs> Where he doesn't know, understand the directions on how to do the laundry. It was just like, he's like, I, they smell clean. I don't know if they're actually clean. Yeah. That's all that matters. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That was uh, the same night. Uh, we went to sleep. We got there. We got into town. Got here, sorry. And <laughs> there. Over we got there. that town that we're all staying in. <laughs> um, when we got to town... I went to sleep, I think, immediately, and then I woke up at, like, 11.30, like, oh, no, now I'm hungry, I didn't eat dinner, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I just walked out of the hotel, started walking around this neighborhood, walked you and walked did? and walked. Yeah. And then... By I, yourself at night? Yeah. I was like, look, there are all these beautiful canals, what bad thing could happen to me? <laughs> Down this side alley. Yeah. Um, yeah, the next day when I saw it, I was like, that was a huge mistake. I should not have... <laughs> done that but eventually i found my way to a mcdonald's of course of course it's kind of fun though i ended up in that mcdonald's and they have self-serve like uh, we don't have these in the states which is hilarious because no one can be trusted to do anything by themselves yeah but they have actually big computer boards where you walk up and touch things and order your own food Mm -hmm. you're like yes we know um (laughs) i've never seen it before and I don't speak this language even remotely, like even slightly. So I was just touching green buttons that seemed like a good idea to touch. And then there was finally one where it came down. I couldn't figure out what to touch. And the only thing that looked right was a red button where I'm like, they can't have done it that. Like, they're, that's tricky as fuck if they made it a red button. So I looked it up. The go is not red button. The What's like a, order isn't yeah, going to be a red button. It's rarely red. Right. Um, so I looked it up on my phone and the word meant destroy. <laughs> I was like, I should probably just press this button and get back yeah. to my hotel room. I think either way you just, it's true. Either it's way. all destruction. It's, it's all, all destruction. Yeah. At McDonald's. Dude, I get it. Um, oh, so yesterday we were, <laughs> we were riding around. No, we weren't. We were walking around. <laughs> we were trying to avoid people riding around. <laughs> I did hit a guy in the leg, and I was just like, oh, like a bicycler, and I felt like such a fucking asshole American. It's just like, da-da-da, you know? Yeah. And then... With your camera all out in front yeah. of you. Yeah. Uh. Then this guy on a bike who looked like, he's this tall, blonde, he looked like he was like an Olympic swimmer, <laughs> and he was just riding his bike. They're like, we all look like that. <laughs> Pretty standard over here. He has headphones on, and I just hear, we hear him as he goes by. He go, like, I'm gonna do it to you. He goes, poke, 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 poke her face, poke, poke, poke her face, just out loud, and then zooms away. 
was the most amazing. Picture me riding a bike, though, and, like, looking Nordic. Boop, 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 boop. Now, when I heard it, and I can't remember if it was before or after we had visited a coffee house or whatever they're called. Pretty sure it was after. Pot, a pot cafe. It just sounded to me like, book, book, peek, book, book, book. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of brave that he's just making sounds on his bike. Maybe that's a thing they do here. We'll have to learn about it later. And Georgia turns to me and goes, that was fucking Lady Gaga he was singing. I was like, that's rad. It was this moment of like, I feel like the stone gods, you know? Because like when I smoke pot, I get really fucking paranoid usually and like kind of screwed up and like I'm not good at it. But I was, it was during the day and I was in Amsterdam. So I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it was just this moment. I think we had just walked out of the cafe and it was like God going, here you go. It's going to be a good one. It was the right thing to do. Yeah. Poke, 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 poke her face. Thank you. God was like, I'm going to make this funny for you. You're going to. You're going to love it. I was smoking pot in that way where I was just like this. I'm expecting yeah. to have happen to me what happens to most of my American friends that come here. And they're like, oh, man, I went to Amsterdam and. And then I ate this thing someone gave me. And then I had a nervous breakdown in my hotel room. And I was in the fetal position for four days. Like, the second we started smoking that pot, I was like, this could go very badly for one or all of us. But let's just do it and see what happens. Yeah. And instead it was fucking delightful. Yeah. And perfect all day long. Because we didn't eat anything strangers handed out. Oh, except no, for a meat. Right. We did eat a meatball sandwich. Oh, that's true. That someone gave us. But we were in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. They didn't just hand it to us. <laughs> what if it was the poker face guy rides by? He's like, poker face, eat this. Georgia. And I'm already swallowing it before you guys were like, you shouldn't eat it. No, no, no. Oh, I ate it already. Don't eat magic meatball sandwich. <laughs> that's a bad idea. I know. Also, I bet those, like, we walked through the, um, like, the market area where there was, like, every, it's so smart. It just, like, have a pot cafe here Mm -hmm. and then just set up a stand of bullshit (laughs) and everyone's going to come out and be like, oh, it's this necklace that reminds me of my mother. (laughs) How many do you want? 19? Okay, I don't meaningless to me. I almost bought a fucking menorah and I'm (laughs) barely Jewish. (laughs) Like, I don't tell them, I, I don't like the candles at Hanukkah. <laughs> but you were like, it's meaningful. This it's is an a Amsterdam sign. menorah. This is symbolic of my experience yeah. here. And then you get home and it's just a candelabra. You're like, wait, <laughs> what the fuck? I was so stoned. I thought something was Jewish symbolism and it's not. I was seeing double. There was only four, <laughs> four candle holders on this. Whoa! <laughs> but you did buy a necklace. I did buy, I bought a I bought a necklace that reminded me of a necklace my mom used to wear until I got home. And I was like, this is nothing like that necklace at all. (laughs) Seriously? And I bought it at the first stand I saw it at, which it cost eight. And then I saw it incrementally as we walked. It was like six fifty five. Fucking three fifty. I was just like, fine. What did I buy? Then they're the last one. They're like, please take this. Just please take this necklace. (laughs) They're like, we're giving these necklaces away. (laughs) Oh, I did also. I bought what I thought was a pot lollipop at one of those stands. Mm-hmm. And we were both Vince and I were like, oh, be careful. But it was just a lollipop. <laughs> like, I got... <laughs> it was just green. I wish I had video, like, time-lapse video of me eating this lollipop because I was like, 
doing stuff on my laptop and I would like take it and I would have it in my mouth and I would like literally time it out of like five minutes. Now put it down. Be careful. Now wait 20 minutes. Now see. Okay. Now <laughs> five more minutes. Cause I was not going to be the one that was like wandering the streets with my shirt off or whatever. 3 a.m. Vince and I hear a knock at our hotel. You guys, I'm crying. Can, can I, I sleep with you? Can I get into bed with you guys? <laughs> Please. I'm scared. So it was like, I was like, dosing myself like I was at a hospital like just fucking like taking my own pulse I got to the fucking center there was gum I was like this was not a pop lollipop in any fucking way I just paid five bucks for candy uh huh for a lollipop five for bucks. just a plain old lollipop at the market Steven you idiot you idiot you bought just a lollipop he's not here by the way it wasn't his fault don't aw who was, no, my cats aren't going to take care of themselves. And they're also, if, we, if he wasn't there, then Elvis wouldn't have had anyone's laptop to barf on today. <laughs> Not fucking kidding. Guess who has to buy Steven a new laptop? Yep. Here's some breaking news from the podcast Homefront. Yeah. Steven sent a text where I, I was like, today I was like, hey, can you look this thing up for me really quick? And then he texts me back. <laughs> Elvis just barfed on my laptop and then sent me a short video what? of him trying to start up the laptop and it's starting and immediately shutting down. And I was just like, all right, talk to you later. <laughs> of course, he's like, I'm so sorry. And you're like, you just had your laptop barfed on. Like, you don't have to apologize. He's apologizing to us. The Elvis is getting, you guys, I'm sorry, but the Elvis and Mimi and Dot Instagram is about to go fucking advertising, advertising, because they need to make some fucking money. <laughs> Because laptops are not cheap. What kind of advertising are you going to do on that I one? I don't know. Cat food? Cat food. Shilling. Or maybe um, some kind of an anti-nausea <laughs> pill? Exactly. Modium AD is something we have over there? Um, I said backstage that, sorry, Stephen, you're getting a Dell. You know? <laughs> they still make those? What's a cheap computer? You're just like, make your own computer and then bill me. <laughs> what if I was like, oh, well, I have, um, you can have my old laptop or my old MacBook Pro that's like as heavy as this table and about as large. Yeah, those ones that are like, had blue on the back and then you could see through. <laughs> You're yes. like, Stephen, we got you a computer. Don't worry about it. Yes. You just have to leave it at George's house and come here to use it. But don't come over too often, Stephen. <laughs> It'll be like an internet cafe that's only open from three to four. <laughs> It'll be like a cat cafe. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if a cat barfed at your, on your laptop at a cat cafe, would they have to buy you one? Probably not. Those the same rules go for my house then. Because it's essentially a cat cafe. I mean, I'm still on that question of like, whoa, is, that, is there a certain insurance you have to buy for a cat cafe? <laughs> or if they bite you and then put fleas on your dress? <gasps> yes. I'm suing Amsterdam if I get fleas. <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, everywhere we went, because we probably ended up going to, like, four of those cafes. We would just walk and then be like, look, let's go in there. It says, feel good. Let's go in there. <laughs> we just kept doing that. And everywhere we'd go, I'd be like, oh, I fucking love this song. And then <laughs> write it down for, like, this is going to be the Amsterdam mix. I tried to put the Amsterdam mix on the, in the green room backstage. Me or George and I were both like, the fuck is this song? <laughs> Turn it off. Well, we were feeling good last night yeah. because, or yesterday. Every this song. Terrible music. We did end up in one week. Oh, I have to tell you something. We were heading back to the hotel to like go to sleep. And I, we walked by this bar and I was like, this is the most beautiful bar from the outside. Like exactly what I want to kind of divey. We go in. It was the fucking cutest bar. It was like from the past. <laughs> right? 
which we don't have in Los Angeles. So <laughs> yeah, it's but very it wasn't dirty. But it wasn't be near the best. It wasn't grimy. Right. It was the best bar I've ever been to. I'm not going to pronounce the name right. But it turns out it was the first lesbian bar in Amsterdam. No the first way! gay bar in Amsterdam. Look it up. You'll find it. <laughs> it was amazing. It was well. It had the best music. <laughs> it had the best music. <laughs> And it had those it little, um, for some reason, it had these little tables that folded out from the wall. You guys, are you guys familiar with, you always have these? Because they fold out and there's a light in a mirror. I was like, that's the perfect table for me. What if we were just at McDonald's? We were so high, we were at McDonald's <laughs> the whole time. They serve these burgers. It's the, it was the best burger I've ever had. We're like, I love this song. It's ba 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 I'm loving it. We got the fish and chips. We got a fucking filet of fish and french fries. The best fish and chips I've ever had. Then we destroyed it all. Destroy. Destroy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait. Remember that? Should we not relive it? That disturbing moment at the laundromat when we were walking back to the hotel? On our way home. Don't remember that. <laughs> What happened? Oh, no. You don't cab? remember? Yes, I remember. We were walking by. We passed the laundromat. Vince, Vince goes, oh, that's where I took all the clothes. And we're like, oh, neat. And then there's a cat laying in the window. And Georgia, we're all far enough along that we're like, cat, again. <laughs> I took a photo of every cat I met, including. <laughs> including this cat that's just laying on its back all cute. And I go like, oh, I'm going to take a picture. And there's a girl sitting with her back to the window next to the cat. And she starts... It's, it looks like she's just playing with the cat, to, like it's cute for the picture. Yeah. But then she covers the cat's face <laughs> from the picture yeah. and fucking moves it really hard By away from the window. I was like, is this like the red light district rule where you can't take pictures? <laughs> you should post she, something. It, it was like no photos. She was no photos about the cat. But then I read an article that's really kind of interesting about how tourism has gotten so essentially bad in Amsterdam. <laughs> There's so much tourism mm-hmm. that like there was a woman they interviewed who lives right down there in like the beautiful part by canal mm-hmm. who's like there's just fucking douche drunk douchebags that are stoned walking by and barfing into her like planter all the oh, time. Oh no, welcome to college, I guess. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> People are like like second year colleging uh-huh. here in Amsterdam and she, the one thing she said about that was the problem is you have to scoop it out. Ew. So I'd be pissed too. I was just trying to figure out what the cat lady's problem was. And then I was like, maybe she has a point. Maybe somebody took pictures of that cat, put out a calendar, made $25 million. She got nothing. The cat got nothing. People keep coming by to take photos of the famous cat for free. She's like, fuck all y'all. You got to have an Instagram account. Um, Should we sit down? Oh, this is my favorite murder of the podcast. Oh, hi. Hi. Thank you. That's Karen Kilgariff. This is Georgia Hardstark. Hi. We're in Amsterdam. What? You know, I wash my hands. Georgia keeps doing this thing instead of holding hands with me where she's holding it like a crab, and I don't understand it. Is it because this dress smells so bad? Yeah. Didn't want to tell you, but you said it first. It's not on my hands, though. <laughs> We've been to Amsterdam, and now and we went to Sweden, and we got Swedish massages, because of course we did. We went to Oslo. Thank like, what you. The Thank fuck? you so much. This is crazy. Uh, let's sit down. No. Okay. Do you want to? Okay. Well. <laughs> All right. So this, you guys. Ooh, this hold here. on. <laughs> I would have this in my house. Yeah. It's oh, a good it's one. Oh, it's from Servi. It's a good one. Gorgeous. 
This is a very special live show. This is the first time we've ever had a square table. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I like it. I know. It's so like, it's so Amsterdam, you know, the way they... Because it's made of wood and there's tourist yeah. barf underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, all right. There's my... I, I, I was know. looking for a mint before I left the dressing room just to have a quick mint. And I couldn't find one, so then I put this piece of candy in my mouth, <laughs> which is not good for the top of a talking show. <laughs> what if, um, no, no, don't put it on mine. I didn't. What if, okay, let's see the scenario. You accidentally pulled the wrong piece of can- pot candy out last night. You didn't eat it, and it turns out to this, and so you suck on it during the show, get really fucking baked. Then I'd be like, I love this song. And they're like, there's no song. <laughs> no song. <clears throat> Let's carve our initials into this. <laughs> All right. When no one's looking? Yeah. The, um, this is a true crime comedy podcast. It gets confusing. Uh, we had to tell the uh, customs dude in Ireland about it when he was like, what are you guys doing here? And it was just really awkward for a minute. And we told him, and then you do it better you, than I do, the voice. Well, because we he said, you know, what is the purpose of your visit? And then we were like, work? Mm-hmm. And then he's like... Uh, what kind of work, and then we have to say it's a podcast, which we are figuring most people don't know or understand what, like, especially a live podcast, where uh-huh. it's like, no, you know, it's like a radio show, except where we do it in front of people. We make them come to a theater <laughs> and look at us in our dresses yeah. at our table. It's nothing special. <laughs> we're, we're apologizing. And then he asked the name of it, so then Georgia says the name, hoping that we don't get arrested <laughs> in Dublin. And instead of having any kind of a negative reaction, he goes, oh, yeah, there was some American girl came through here on Friday. She told me all about it. (laughs) Right? And then he goes, she was insane. (laughs) We're like, that sounds right. That sounds Uh exactly right. That's what it is. That was Kelly. (laughs) That was our listener, Kelly. And then when we came through customs here... We said, like, oh, we're doing a live podcast. And the guy goes, I'm not going to do the accent, obviously. He goes, what, <laughs> what like in a bar? <laughs> we were like, okay. Yeah, you're, you're right. It totally should be in a, an empty bar. But I was so mad. I know. I'm just like, do you have bars that hold over 800? P- oh, forget it. <laughs> Why am I yelling at a customs officer? That's a bad idea. Karen, back off. Karen, stop it. You're going to get us arrested. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note. That promo code is 
all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines and June's journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Okay, you going first? Is it me? Yeah, right? Is it? Do you want to? Yes. Okay, great. Go for it. I'm going to do... Willem von Eich. <gasps> they don't know him. They don't know him or they don't like him or he's here and it's awkward. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought there would at least be a smattering of applause. Like it just, some golf applause. That's it, no, that's, no, it no. that's it. No, no, no. That's not a smattering. No, Amsterdam, it is too late. <laughs> They're like, well, wouldn't it be wrong to applaud for a serial killer? Yes. You're right. Yes, you're right some recognition for Christ's sake because this man is considered one of the few real serial killers that's from here oh okay so I thought they'd be like oh I went to high school with him or whatever <laughs> fine um, so a lot of the information that's in this I'm about to tell you it's, it's very much Wikipedia based um, as most of my work is but <laughs> There's also um, a book called Anatomy of a Serial Killer that's written by, S- I want to pronounce his name Steez, but I bet you that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> oh, we need to pick, oh, we need to pick Seitz? a, we need to pick a translator. Seat, 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 Listen, we're picking a translator. <laughs> poke, this poke, is poke, poker face. Poke, poke, oh, face. okay. I know how to pronounce it now. We are going to pick a translator. Um, this is what we've been doing. You raise these right. two ladies. They look very professional. They're the only ones who can yell at us. <laughs> this is how we've gotten to control the yelling. Yeah. What are your, what's your name? Leanne. Kim, and you're from here? Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> what if they're from, like, North Carolina, but they're like, ooh, quickly, do, do the accent. Do an accent like a person from Amsterdam would have. Are those the names yes. that, like, when we were in Sweden, they would tell us their name, you know, or, like, introduce themselves to an, and a name we couldn't pronounce, and then we'd go, what? Try to pronounce it, and then they go, just Christy. It's Christy. Just call us Christy, because we know you fucking Americans can't get it. Willem van Eek. <laughs> That's the other thing, is I think when you... It, American English is, like, super nasal, mm-hmm. and it's just like, nah, 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 yeah. right? You know, you've heard us over and over. <laughs> then, like, you go to other countries, and then it's kind of like, I feel like this language is more like you're inhaling. It's like, yeah. von ik. Like, keep it in. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> Willem von ik. Ike? 
Uh, is it Ike? Ike? But it's not Ike. It's <laughs> it's. <laughs> I'm choking on a steak. Okay. Willem von Eyck is born August 13, 1941, in Kotar, <laughs> Netherlands. They don't even know how to help you. <laughs> Should I show you the paper? Kota. Really? That <laughs> Where? Where is it? Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I said Corturar. <clears throat> you can't be like that if you're going to be the <laughs> translator. We can't. This is not. It's not about perfection. It's about barely getting over the finish line. Please. Oh my God. It's a complicated. Okay, so his, Willem's, is a complicated birth. Also, I'd never heard of anyone with the name Willem, except for Willem Dafoe, Mm -hmm. the American actor. So I found this exciting also. (laughs) So his is a complicated birth. Later in his life, doctors would speculate that he probably sustained some brain damage during it. Mm -mm. So he basically starts life with a head injury, which Mm. we all know is very bad for the child. Um, Also, his home life isn't ideal. His father... Uh, is known as honest and a passionate man, whereas his mother is described as a bad housekeeper, withdrawn, unreliable, suspicious, and cold. Oh. <laughs> Sounds fun. I can't, I wonder if they mean that she was suspicious of other people or if she was like, mm, like <laughs> touching the, stuff all the time. She was the hamburglar? She was. She just had cold hands and weird eyes. <laughs> Also, bad housekeeper, that's yeah. a judgment call. Yeah. And that shouldn't... Compared to who? Not me. That's for sure. <laughs> also, a, a bad woman, that doesn't make. You know? A what? A bad woman, isn't that, that doesn't make. That's the worst way I could have said that. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought suddenly you were speaking... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you I speak Dutch. <laughs> Please don't start doing that. <laughs> Not now. Uh... Okay, in elementary school, he's an outcast, of course. It always starts the same way. Um, He gets the nickname Crazy Little Willem, uh, which sounds like it could be fun and cute, but apparently was not. He's bullied. um, School is hellish, and it turns out later that he is, like, when he grows up, he's almost completely illiterate. So he starts collecting dead frogs and bugs. I know. Right? What you do when you're a social outcast. Um, then people in the village start to notice that he's also very cruel to living animals. Ooh. Uh, so his interest is in the deadness. Um, huh. he's, he's especially cruel to dogs, cats, and ducks, which no. is very sad. How can you even catch a duck to be cruel to it? <laughs> you know? I think you, you just run after it and you just <laughs> outrun it. It's, it's a duck. That sounds hard. They, have, they don't have great running feet. Then he, when he's 10, he gets another concussion, or he gets his first, like, outside-the-womb concussion. Um, And for two years, he suffers from severe headaches. Uh, Gotta get that Tylenol with Cody. Right? All right. In high school, he's a loner, and according to him, women found him very creepy and disgusting. (laughs) According to him? Jesus. Yeah. Well, a lot of this is according to him because the book Anatomy of a Serial Killer is like interviews with him. Okay. Jail, jailhouse interviews. I thought you were going to say he wrote it. <laughs> I was like, oh no. no. No, he can't. Oh, right. 
Maybe he had a transcriber. Yeah, he could dictate it into a... Dictaphone. One of those. Yeah, dictaphone. That's right. (laughs) Um, Okay, so he brings that up a lot uh, later on in his crimes, that he basically blames the fact that women rejected him uh, for the fact that he had to go ahead and end their lives, which I always think is so interesting. It's like, you, you know they found you creepy and disgusting, so... You don't try to reverse that in any way or just work on anything. Just, like, stop having weird eyes like your mom or whatever. <laughs> nope. Just kill. Or find a chick who's into creepy and disgusting. That's There's right. Girls out there. Ladies. <laughs> don't you have a creepy and disgusting club at your high school? Join it. <laughs> Lost my place. So in high school... That's when he starts breaking into houses. It's always the same. Breaking into houses, stealing stuff. Mm, underwear. Um, petty, <laughs> petty crimes. And when he's 21, he starts to have these vivid dreams, which is what he, what he told that author about, um, about raping and killing women, which most people call those nightmares, Willem, <laughs> but whatever. Um, oh, no. He's quoted as saying, at first they were beautiful, but they became increasingly violent and inhumane. They were beautiful? Well, like, they were just d- plain Got old it. beautiful dreams. Got it. Then they became increasingly violent and inhumane. I dreamed of cutting. Never firearms. Great. Thank you. Good sign. <laughs> Uh, and from women I knew from our village or from the neighborhood. In the long run, it got worse. And when I was 29, 30, it became a real drama. <laughs> drama. Oh, my God. So much Drama. Um, so then he says that he would walk around all day thinking about these violent, horrible dreams that he was having and basically stay in this, like, creepy, disgusting fantasy all day long. Um, so, you know, you wonder why no one was attracted to you. Maybe (laughs) you're just like, ah. So in 1966, he's 25. He very briefly marries and is divorced. Um, in August of the same year, he serves eight months in prison because he helped steal, I don't know if this is translation or if it's just he's boring, but he helped steal <laughs> lead and batteries with two other people. That like, sounds boring. That sweet, yeah. you got to get that sweet, sweet lead. What if it was something super cool like a fucking time machine, but it translated to lead and batteries? <laughs> Right? And wires. And wires. Or maybe he was just making his own pencils. Um, <laughs> either way, he's a creep. So he goes under court-ordered supervision. Oh, I ne- shit, I never looked this up. Maybe you'll know what this means. Um, court-ordered supervision of the Protestant probation. <laughs> no. Like, as if on cue, they both looked at each other and were like, what? <laughs> it probably just means that... Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, hi- I highlighted it and everything. To be like, go talk about, yeah. find out what that means. Then I just started putting on eyeshadow and I was like, <laughs> I don't really care. I don't care. Maybe some kind of a church thing. Sure. He had, to go, he had to go to church. So anyway, they do a psychological exam. They find out uh, he has a tendency toward anger and aggression. Um, and they also, the examination shows that he has gross gaps intellectually. But not, I don't think that's a judgment call. I think they mean large. (laughs) Okay. He's just like, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you're this old and you only know that many words? What the (laughs) fuck? Willem. Okay. 
so on, in June 1971, 15-year-old Cora Mantel is taking the bus to Amsterdam to meet up with her boyfriend. On the 20th of that month, she misses her, oh shit, she misses her bus home to... Uithoorn. I can say that. (laughs) Uithoorn. I mean, now we're at the point where I just don't believe I can pronounce anything. Yeah. So that's where she's from. Cora's from Uithoorn. So basically, she goes into Amsterdam to meet up with her boyfriend. She misses the bus because they're like, oh, stay in bed for five minutes longer Mm -hmm. or whatever. Or I mean, in the park, wherever, whatever they're doing. In love. Um... (laughs) So she ends up, she decides that she's going to hitchhike home. Mm. Yes. Mm. And it's 1971. Just the height of hitchhiking. Yeah. Um, So uh, she ends up getting picked up by Van Eyck. Did I say it right? Eyck? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she hates you. (laughs) You're sweet. Um, Okay. So she has no idea anything's amiss other than he's creepy and disgusting, um, but it's a ride, whatever, um, until they get to Eithorn, and he drives her almost all the way home, Mm-mm. and then he goes a different direction. And, uh, and then uh, she starts to panic. He stops the car, and according to his uh, account, he says to her, we are going to say goodbye to each other. <gasps> That's the creepiest thing. Yes. She's like, you mean out here in the middle of fucking nowhere? We're going to say goodbye to each other. So she tries to get out of the car. He grabs her scarf and he strangles (gasps) her with her own scarf and then uh, rapes her, um, drives her body to a dead end road, strips her naked, throws her body into a ditch. She's not discovered until two days later on June 22nd, 1971. She was supposed to start a new job at a jewelry store in Alsmere. Oh. <laughs> the face you gave everyone about it. <laughs> did you hear that guy goes, yeah. <laughs> she oh did God. it. She didn't even ask. Kim, yeah, brand new Karen. <laughs> so she was supposed to, she was supposed to, she had gotten this new job at a jewelry store. She was supposed to start it. She doesn't show up. And um, so, and her body hadn't been found, but she was missing. So then the jeweler becomes a suspect. Oh, no. Yes. And, uh, and until they find her body. So nothing's proven. The case goes cold. Then three years later on August 19th, 1974, the lifeless body of 43 year old, a 43 year old nurse named Altjit Vanderplat is found behind some manure near a cornfield. This is terrible. She's been raped. Her stomach has been ripped open. She's been disemboweled. <gasps> oh. And her left breast has been mutilated. She's been stabbed a total of 27 times. Holy shit. So there are six witnesses that report that they see Willem riding his moped around the scene of the crime that night after it happens. Before so, her body is found? Uh no, the, the night her body is oh. discovered, he's just fucking buzzing the area chill, on his moped. Super chill. Can yeah. you imagine? Like, oh, this awful thing. Yeah. Poke, 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 poke her face. Poke. Yes. <laughs> he's poker facing it all around, but more like this on a moped. <laughs> oh, yeah. A creep on a moped is the worst kind of moped yeah. driver. You want that person to be, like, carefree. Totally. Kind of like, yay, I've got the world on a string. Just More Wes Anderson and less, yes. like, fucking... Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So it turns out, so all these people tell the police, like, this guy is disgusting. <laughs> I love um, it. And they find out that Willem lives down the street on a houseboat called uh, the English translation is the Freedom. Mm. Um, so uh, the police go; they question him about the murder, and he immediately confesses, and he gets arrested on his dumb houseboat. Um, <laughs> I, I'm like very interested in houseboats. I think it would be super cool to live on one. Here, it's like we came out of a couple of those fucking cafes and we're like look at the boat <laughs> at one point Vince is like oh we could we could take a tour of the city on a boat and I was like but what if I can't get off the boat <laughs> I was just completely picturing myself of like I step on the boat they shut whatever the gate is we take off and then I'm like I can't do this <laughs> she jumped in the water international incident <laughs> there is a there was a cat boat pussin boat but we didn't go on it because I was I already had fleas. That's right. If that cat hadn't bit you, you would have been the captain of Puss and Boat. <laughs> I would have fucking moved on to <laughs> it yesterday. Bye, guys. You've been like, um, the show's canceled because Georgia won't get off the cat boat. <laughs> Steven's like, I understand. Steven's like, I'll be there in 48 hours. <laughs> okay. So he confesses, is arrested. He basically tells the police, I'm relieved. Um, he explains that he saw Alja walking down the road. He got the idea to, quote, do something with the woman. Ooh. He goes back to the houseboat. He grabs a knife. He rides up behind her on his, uh, on his moped. He shows her the knife. He threatens her, says, you have to come with me. Ooh. He pulls her to the area where her body's found. He, uh, when she tries to fight him off as he's raping her, that's when he stops. Um, on August 21st, Willem's arrested on his houseboat. I said that already, but it's written here twice. Um, <laughs> and he confesses to the murders of both Alja and Cora Mantel. So at age 33, William Von Eich is tried and sentenced to eight, 18 years in prison and voluntary commitment to psychiatric hospital. So the details of the murder are so horrifying that when the trial, uh, um, when everyone gives their testimony in court, um, two or, or several, it says, of the guards vomit mm. in the courtroom because oh it's God. so awful to hear. And the press describes him as a man without emotion and someone who has no remorse for his crimes. Oh. And he's sentenced to 18 years. Yeah, I think that's Max here. I bet that, I bet he gets out quicker than that. Well, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Five years later, he's still in jail. He's still in jail. Thank God. But he puts out, he's lonely, so he puts out a personal ad in the newspaper. And from jail? From jail. Explaining that he's a 38-year-old man who loves houseboats and mopeds. <laughs> and he's looking for a, a relationship with a woman. Love. And he specifies in his ad that children are not a problem. Oh. Great. Yeah. yeah. So gather round, children. Um, so a woman named Audrey responds to the ad. They begin to correspond. Mm -hmm. I think over here they call them pen friends, which makes me laugh. Because in America we call them pen pals. So Sounds stupid to you, right? So it's pen pals is dumb to you. Pen friends is dumb to us. <laughs> oh. It's the world a crazy place anyway. <laughs> It's a small world after all. Okay, so eventually she comes to visit him in prison. He tells her he, that he has murdered two women. He fesses up to her. You think she would have asked about that beforehand? Like, the first you, letter. What are you in for? Hey, 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 quick, quick. I bet she's not typing. 
on a computer. Hey, quick question. <laughs> what, what about a wall computer? What if she's typing on that McDonald's menu board? <laughs> Destroy that shit. Maybe she was on a typewriter. That's what I was doing. Well, anyway, either way, he keeps it from her until they meet in person. Then he says, I've murdered two women. She's like, look, we've all had a tough time of it. Oh, honey. Or some shit, because while <laughs> he's still in jail in 1982, they get married. Okay, and guys. All right, don't do that. She, she ends up, because she's the only one who understands him, un- ends up hiding this marriage from her family, including her five children. <gasps> It's tons. Um, like, it's bad enough to have to get a new stepdad. Yeah. And then it's fucking William. Willem? Willem. Willem. Defoe. Um, what if he... Ugh. Okay. So, so uh, when it is time for him to be paroled, because of this marriage, the authorities believe that he can right. s- assimilate back into normal society. Because they're like, he has somewhere to go and a person to yeah. look after him. And he's cl- clearly... he. Couldn't do it before, but now... All he needed was the love of a good woman. Right? Again, it's women's fault. It's there, <laughs> they're in the center of everything. And if they, they would just fix it. do what that creepy, disgusting man says, then he'll stop killing. Um, so his relationship, uh, they do say it it's, could prevent him from murdering, but they warn that more female rejection could trigger a relapse because, quote, the core of his problem has not been treated substantially. Anyway, bye, Willem. See you later. Good luck. There's your shit. Don't let the screen door hit you in the ass on the way out, as we say in my family. Um, So when he's released in 1990, he and his wife of eight years, who he doesn't know that well, um, (laughs) uh, they move in into a house in Harksteed. (laughs) <laughs> that means you got it right or they don't no, know her whole head went over to the side like this that can't be positive but nobody else said anything either I think they're just being polite oh no they it don't. doesn't matter they're basically trying to tell us it doesn't matter okay um, thanks guys so watch this he goes to a clinic in Groningen Groningen okay so he starts going to that clinic in Groningen for psychiatric care he's described by the staff as one of the most difficult patients they've ever treated oh can you can you imagine at a mental hospital that's bad yeah yeah it's not at Starbucks (laughs) (laughs) and then so that's like outpatient treatment apparently Um, but then for a job and for a business him and his wife start a pet sitting business. Oh, I got problems with that. Yeah, because remember his history with ducks and puppies uh-huh. and dead frogs. Um, Steven. Steven. So within six months, as we might have all guessed, um, problems begin to arise in the home. Ouch. Willem starts drinking and heavily, and then pretty soon his wife takes, <laughs> gathers up her five children and gets the fuck out. So that's when he begins to regularly hire sex workers in his home. So in November of 1993, the body of 23-year-old Michelle Fatol is found in a ditch near the village of Enumatil? Got it. Keep going. They've just abandoned us entirely. We asked you to do something. You don't even know what I'm saying? It's that bad? Really? I'm so mad at you right now. 
<laughs> E-N-U-M-A-T-I-L. That doesn't exist. <laughs> In a... V- <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. In a village. Uh... The body of a 23-year-old sex worker is found in a ditch, and she has been strangled to death. Um, and then 14 months later, January 21st, 1995, the body of a 31-year-old sex worker named Annalise Randiers is found in the Emskanal near Appingedam. <laughs> yeah? Wow! I'm going to move here. I'm going to teach English classes. <laughs> Okay, later that same year, the torso of a 24-year-old sex worker, Antoinette Bont, is found in Winchester Dype. (laughs) And then later on, other body parts of hers are found in a duffel bag. So basically just, just, dead sex workers just start showing up over and over. Less than two years after that, the body of a 19-year-old sex worker named Shirley Herger's is found, and then when they find her body, the police find out that her friend, Yolanda Meyer, is also missing. Mm-mm. So then, about three years after Shirley's body is dis- discovered, on July 17, 2001, the body of 34-year-old Scott Sascha Schenker is found in a canal. Um, police discover that Willem von Eich is a regular customer of hers, and of course, then he becomes prime suspect. Aye. When her clothes are found... Uh, several months later, in the same canal near his house, in a plastic bag weighted down with stones, that's when they arrest him. So why? <laughs> why stones that's crazy. had his name on them? I... Um, so four months after they find her personal items on November 12, 2001, William Van Eyck is uh, arrested upon suspicion of murder. He confesses to killing Michelle Fatol, Annalise Randiers, and Saska Schenker. Police also suspect him of two other unsolved murders, Antoinette Bont and Yolanda Meyer, but he does not confess to those crimes. Um, so authorities excavate the ground mm. all around his house, um, but they don't find anything. They think they're going to find missing bodies, but they don't find anything, and they can't find any hard evidence linking him to those two crimes. Um, but between his release and his first release in 1990 and his second arrest, there were eight sex workers and several other young women murdered in and around the area where he lived. But why wouldn't he confess to all of them? I don't know. Because he's a he big did, fucking asshole, I yeah, think. Yeah, but maybe he didn't do... That's scary. What's scary is that maybe there were like four fucking murderers well, going yes, on at once. Always. It's always a possibility. It's always definitely happening. <laughs> um... So on November 7th, 2002, he's tried, convicted, and sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Michelle Fatal, Annalise Rangers, and Saskia Schenker. He tries to appeal. The Supreme Court of the Netherlands is like, go fuck yourself forever. <laughs> All of his requests for clemency are denied. Good. They're just like, no, we, we, <laughs> we, we did it wrong the first time. Yeah. This shit is over. What his y- lawyer... Go ahead. What year was that? Sorry. That was 2002. Oh, well. Um, his lawyer reads his statement and it says, quote, I killed those women. It's terrible. I did not want that. It happened to me. <laughs> Dude, no. <laughs> um, I did not think of it before. And it's still a mystery to me that has caused me to what has caused me to act like that. I am not a monster. Disagree. <laughs> 
I did not want all this too. To say that you are sorry is easy, but that is not what it is meant to be. I am sorry. I wish I could undo it, even if it would be at the expense of my own life. Sounds great. <laughs> and as of 2013, Yolanda Meyer's body has not been found. <gasps> oh, no. That's the, the most recent. I was doing that thing. Have you done the thing where you look up an article on Google and you hit Google Translate? Yes. And then the article comes up in the most insane English that you're, you're just like, what is this, a fairy tale yeah. of some kind? I'm tr- like trying to read these stories. Yes. But from what I could, and that is like five years ago, so there might be an update since, but her body has not been found from the last thing I could find on Google. And although it was never proven that Willem was responsible for her disappearance, it's pub- publicly believed that he killed both Shirley Higers and Yolanda Meyer. Oh. So that's what everyone around town thinks. Uh-huh. And that is Willem von Eich, everybody. Oh, my God. Good job. It's just so crazy that there are these, like, huge murders and serial killers and all over the world, and I've never heard of them. Like, I know. Every, every story we've done here on our trip is like, what the fuck? This would have been, I should have known about this. Yeah. But well, no. they didn't know. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com Goodbye Okay I want to say this name right Good fucking luck (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am doing the story of uh, the murderer Elsia Christians They've never heard of that (laughs) Or I said it wrong, it could be my fault Elsia is her name Okay, so Elsia Christian or just Christian's was born in 1646 in Denmark. Mm. Mm-hmm. A while ago, then. A while. This is an oldie. That's why they don't know her. Yeah. This is a classic. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, from the old time. Ours. You it's one know. of these? It's one of these. All we right. do this a lot on the podcast. You can't see us. Yeah. <laughs> when we talk about back in the day, it's usually a hitchhiking motion. Um, okay. Born in 1646. There's not a ton of shit known about her life from beforehand because it's fucking old uh <laughs> you didn't undo some scrolls no. and try to get some information off and from what it sounds like she's just a normal human being um but in the spring of 1664 
she she's 18 years old and she leaves Denmark, wants a new life and moves to Amsterdam, which is a booming fucking town at this point. <laughs> There's not a ton of information about this murder. So let me tell you about Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, I loved it. In the 17th century. I need to hear about okay, this. Great. I wish <laughs> I should have known about this beforehand. <laughs> The 17th century was Amsterdam's golden age, Karen. Was it? Mm-hmm. I think now is. I mean, right. Barfing tourists? In the year 1600, <laughs> Amsterdam emerges as one of the world's most important centers of trade, everyone. <laughs> you know this. You went to school here. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I did this report in sixth grade. <laughs> You're fucking copying my report right now. <laughs> uh, with trade, Karen, obviously came wealth and a blossoming arts and science scene. <laughs> I was fucking scrounging. Yeah. What was their main export? Chrome? (laughs) Well, it also became a vibrant cultural hub. uh, And one of three Amsterdammers was an immigrant, it turns out. Wow. The Sephardic Jews were fleeing persecution in Spain and Portugal. You know. Yeah, so those... Over there. So your menorah was real. That's right. Yeah. Shit, I should have bought it. (gasps) It was from the 1650s. It's an antique. Okay. Um, whatever. And then... (laughs) (laughs) Is that around the time cheese was invented? Yeah. And then I wrote again, with trade came wealth and blossoming (laughs) arts and science. Oh, and then she drew a picture of downtown Amsterdam, like you used to do in book reports, to fill up a whole page. (laughs) Remember that? You'd be like, here's a Blinken's house, pretty sure. (laughs) They didn't do that. We did that. Yeah, that was us. That was our guy. Sorry. They're like, we like school. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, listen, ships from Look. the... <laughs> ships <laughs> foreign devices and worldwide... What do I do? What did ships do? <laughs> what the fuck is this like? Did shit, I know. We basically accidentally started a podcast where now we have to travel the world giving book reports to cities about their own cities. <laughs> We're both college dropouts. This is ridiculous. And you bought a ticket for it. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. I might still be high from yesterday. (laughs) Oh, that'd be cool if like a second high kicked in and we're just like, tell me about ships, imports, exports. Keep hitting my teeth with this microphone. Okay, but then spices. Spices happen. Did they bring spices in? Goods of Europe, leading financial center. Then I write about something that interests me, which is the bubonic plague. Oh. <laughs> the bubonic plague fucking comes around. from, And from 1663 to 1666, more than 10% of the population died of plague. Fuck. That's fucking fun, right? <laughs> By 1670, no fewer than 220,000 people lived in the city. It was fucking crowded. They built more of it. You guys know the story. <laughs> But but back to 1664, <laughs> when our, our gal, Elsia, is 18 years old, she comes to Amsterdam, she's like, I want to live here. She finds a place to live, she runs a room in the land, with a landlord lady. Wow, that's so, like, independent for a gal in the 1600s. I know, I wonder what she was like. She wants to be a maid, so she starts looking for a job to get a, to be a maid, but within two weeks, she can't find a job. She's running out of money, she can't pay rent, um, and... Let's see. She lived uh, on the Damrak. Damrak. Thank you. 
You guys, then you'll know that it's an avenue and partially filled canal in the center of Amsterdam. Oh, yes, yes, the Dom Rock. Between Amsterdam Central and the north and Dom Square on the south. And she looks for a job. She can't find one. I hear there's a great McDonald's over there. (laughs) And then I wrote about poor people back then in Amsterdam. What were they like? Well, they, they, they did have a system of civic poor relief and charitable institutions. Well, well, that's nice. Yeah. So the old and the insane, the sick, and orphans were supported. Whatever. So Just emotionally? Yeah. It's like, yeah, keep it up, you guys. <laughs> You'll get there someday. Don't give up. <laughs> Don't drop out of college. So she can't find a job. The landlady's fucking pissed about it. One morning, she wakes Elsia up and is like, pay me rent. And Elsia's like, I can't. And the landlady grabs a fucking broom and starts hitting her with oh, it. Shit. That's <laughs> old school. Like, pay me rent. Uh, Elsa does what any fucking normal person does and sees a fucking axe lying there and picks it up. <laughs> yeah. Because there had just been a big axe shipment that morning. Yeah. <laughs> right. One of the many axes. Imported from Canada. And though, even though the landlady's right, Elsa's like, no, I can't, and then hits her with the axe. Um, I think it was a couple times. And- <laughs> It's hard, you know, there's not a lot. And, and she falls down the flight of stairs into the cellar, and she lays there dead. Shit. Meanwhile, the neighbors, because it seems like you just, every wall is shared in the city, <laughs> yeah. uh, are like, that sounded bad. So they come over. <laughs> they come over. Was there a broom axe fight in here just a second ago? Because <laughs> we are positive, I heard. The distinct sounds of a broom slash axe fight. Broom axe fight. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Stairs. Someone brought a broom to an axe fight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't want to. Thank you. Thank you. Don't, uh, don't bring a broom to an axe fight. It's true, though. But how would you? Okay. So they, they, she answers the door to the neighbors, and she's, like, covered in blood. And they're like, something's going on. She runs out to, to try to run away, and they go in and discover the body. I think they must chase after her or something because she jumps into one of the canals. I would, too. You know? But she can't swim, so... Oh, I would not. Uh, so the bystanders help her out of the water, and uh, they bring her before the city magistrates. When questioned, though, she eventually confesses to the murder of her landlady. She's taken to trial. She's found guilty and sentenced to death. Shit, that was fast for her. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's like looking for a job one day. <laughs> she's like, here's me in the big so shit. <laughs> now I'm going to be killed yep. by the government. Yep. So this is this is the first execution of a woman in Amsterdam in 21 years. So of course the public goes fucking bi- like crazy and it's a big spectacle. And they do it in front of everyone back then. Executions. Yeah. Executions were like HBO back then. It was just <laughs> yeah. like primo cable television. Exactly. So everyone wanted to come watch. Um, but here, okay, so the method of execution is also controversial. So uh, even for that back then in the 1600s, <laughs> which is like fucking drawn and quartered yeah. times. Probably. When you, like, the standard way was being t- like tarred and feathered, I think. Sure. Right? I didn't look that part up. Let's just keep naming ways people used to get killed. Let's see. Well, here's one. Oh. <laughs> she would be strangled with a garrote. Remember that from John Benet Ramsey? Yes. Thank you. My cap. And at the same time, she would be hit in the head with an axe. 
not just any axe, but the axe that she used to kill her fucking landlady. Yeah. That's some vengeance. I like, hope you learn your lesson. Oh, wait, you're dead. Go, like, fuck. And people were like, great. What time do we get there <laughs> to watch? I want to pull my kids out of school. Yeah. Is it going to be at one or two? Yeah. I got to start dinner at three, so it better be quick. <laughs> because it's old and done times. Right. We have dinner to eat before the sun goes down. That's right. That's right. Or we'll die of the bubonic plague. That's right. Because that's what they thought caused it back then. That's not true. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. This is when the book report goes way out of control. <laughs> well, we found out recently from a friend that the, the show Drunk History, which is so great, that they're using our research for their new season. And we're like, Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> All right. Do which it's going to be a good season, I guess. Blah, blah, blah. Same acts. Public exclusion. That's not how you say it. What was it? Took place in the central Dam Square, Dom Square in Amsterdam. You guys have been there. They used to kill people there, it turns out. <laughs> okay, so not only is she going to get fucking strangled and then some guy has to hit her in the head with the axe. Afterwards, they're going to publicly display her body. Oh. Which is the thing they did back then with like particularly bad criminals to be... to to humiliate them in their death, but also to be like, don't kill your landlady with an axe. Right. To everyone, this is what happens to you. This is the only way you'll learn. Right. Because the Bible hadn't been invented yet? Who knows? Okay. It's Nobody knows. We don't know. And we can't find out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I tried to look it up on the McDonald's screen, but it wouldn't fucking tell me. Destroy. <laughs> I destroyed the Bible. Uh, what I love is, sorry, sidebar, I just, please. you had to order ketchups on that screen. Oh. McDonald's is getting cheap, y'all. They will not give you ketchup unless you beg for it like a peasant. And so I was like, fine, I'll, I'll pay for an extra for a ketchup or whatever. And then when I went to walk away, I opened the bag and there was no ketchup. And I went back with just a hideous American tourist and I just held up the receipt. <laughs> You were not fucking around. But how good was the McDonald's? It was so much better than American oh, yeah. McDonald's. It was like clearly made with love. <laughs> and I thank you for that. Yeah. I've just realized I've had McDonald's three times on this trip. <laughs> Let's make it one more. Okay. I was like, well, it was better than in Dublin. And, and when we were in Oslo, that was the next McDonald's we've had so far. <laughs> We get to a lot of places very late yeah. where, like, we're staying at hotels. We're like, oh, no, we stopped serving. We stopped serving everything the sun at 7. Goes down. We're like, yeah. please help us. <laughs> we don't know what time it is. We haven't slept in hours. That's right. <laughs> in hours. <laughs> I need to sleep <laughs> for at least 16 hours a day or I this shit sleep falls apart. Every two hours I need a nap. I'm like uh, a six-month-old baby. <laughs> You have to feed me and then put me to bed every two fucking hours. I'm like a six-month pregnant woman, and I need to eat for two yep. and take a nap all the time. Okay. All right. How's my hair? It's I just great. I don't know what I'm doing with That's, it. Shoot it up on this side a little bit more. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Here we go. Thanks. It's, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. McDonald. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's, it's what if I greased my hair with McDonald's? 
we're like you when you come as an American when you come to Europe you try to be not American yeah. like you try to just not talk and pretend you just apologize the whole time yeah try to pretend that you're from somewhere else yeah. and uh, we've just fucking Americaned it up all I mean there's um, just no mistaking no. it like you guys McDonald's okay <laughs> okay Okay, her body was to be displayed, quote, to be digested by the air and the birds. Oh. Yeah. So lift it to rot. Yep. At the gallows field, there's a whole area for it, <laughs> outside the city. Okay, there. So her, her body was hung on a gibbet. Do you know what that is? Sure. Let me tell you what it okay. is. In great detail. No, great. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's a gallows-type structure from which the dead are dying bodies of criminals are hung on public display and sometimes it's like the body shaped cage so that they can't even like they have to stay in like human looking form the whole fucking time you so know they what I can't mean? even like oh my nose itches no i think it's like the dead people too where it's like they can't fall off of it they have to stay in this they're like kept oh, in this cage that's horrifying i know you know what i mean yes so it almost is like a sewing mannequin, but you can see through it. Yes. There you go. And then there's a person in there rotting. Uh-huh. Okay. It's supposed to deter other existing or potential criminals. Doesn't do it. Nope. No. Bet that doesn't work. Okay. So, okay. And then alongside her body, so she's hung up, and then next to her, hanging next to her head is the axe. Shit. Like, they cannot get over this fucking axe. Yes. She's just like randomly picked it up. It wasn't like it was her axe and she loved it. I know. I'm so glad it wasn't something embarrassing like her own bra or like whatever <laughs> would be kind of humiliating. Yeah. yeah like like her. strong underwear. I don't know what it would be <laughs> that would actually kill somebody. Yeah. But at least an axe is kind of scary and bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, I mean it. Okay. Hung next to her head. So the, her death probably would have been forgotten, right? Except, and you aren't history majors, should fucking know this, um, a certain painter was, in, was interested in her death. So, your dude, Rembrandt. Ooh. Your friend. And congratulations on Rembrandt, yeah, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and Van Gogh. Pretty much all of them. because Yeah, a lot of them are from around here. 1664. So, Rembrandt's almost 60 years old at this point. Um, he didn't go to the public execution, but, but later that same day, by the time she had been hung up, he rose his boat from his modest house on Rosengracht. <laughs> Thank you. To the Volwick. Volchik. V-O-L-E-W-I-J-K. Wait, they're stoned. <laughs> oh, shit. You ate the meatballs, didn't you? <laughs> And, and so he, he fucking row, row, rows his boat over there. Sure. And he fucking, like, sees her up there, and he, like, sketches two drawings of her. Oh. Um, it's one, in, one up close and one profile. And they're so fucking creepy, and, like, there's so much feeling in them, even though they're just, like, basic sketches. Um, it's her, her face shows a look of disbelief and resignation. Mm. It's just this sad look on her face that you can just tell what it's, but it says even just with this basic drawing. He was good. I mean, pretty good. It's pretty good. It's officially known, the work is officially known as a woman hanging on a gibbet. Um, and at this point in his life, he had already buried two of his wives, one recently from the plague, mm. and three children, and he was in financial strait. Like, he wasn't fucking doing well. Even Rembrandt didn't do well, you guys, Aww. so fucking don't worry don't about Don't feel bad. Shit. Don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
There's so many Rembrandts in this audience tonight. You're going to be fine in a hundred years. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't the only artist who drew something from him. There's also a pen and ink drawing with watercolor by um, Anthony Van Borsum. And which her body was seen hanging alongside other criminals at an execution site. So Rembrandt's is special because it's just her, you know, as the subject. But his is this kind of interesting looking. It looks, it's like what you would fucking see back then, which is a lot of dead bodies. So back then, back then it was drawn. Recently, uh, people were trying to identify the date of the the sketch of Rembrandt's and they were like, it's 1665. All these like, no, but all art people were like, I know what, t- what year it's from. But because it, it was one of his rare drawings that he drew of an, a current event, they could then place it because of her back to 1664. So, uh, so but, in their face. <laughs> yeah. Um, bah, bah, bah. Okay. So Tom DeFreston, an artist based in Oxford, said this about the case. The law courts had obviously felt that a public hanging would act as a deterrent, but from its punishments such as this that we should be deterred. I can't help but see an irony in the fact that her surname is Christians, for it was a Christian society that preached forgiveness but was happy to sanction and support the barbaric acts of cruel punishment. She is with doubt a victim of a system whose crimes hanging an impoverished 18-year-old girl went far or far worse. And both of Rembrandt's drawings of this, uh, this event are at the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. And that's the murderer, Elsia Christians. Wow. Thanks. Do we have time for a hometown? Let's do it. All right, listen to the, yeah, there's some rules. Oh my God, you guys, there have been so many great hometown murders during this tour. It's been so awesome. Um, so you probably know this if you listen to the podcast. We just tell you really quickly, you don't seem like a super drunk audience or stoned, but <laughs> if you're under the influence in any way, that's fine with us as long as you can tell your own story coherently and follow it all the way through. That's key. Um, it needs to have a beginning and a middle and an end. And not just tonight, but anytime you tell a story, please. <laughs> Don't be one of those people that just fucking starts shit and then wanders off. It's very <laughs> irritating. Um, let's see. We want it to be local. We would love for it to be from Amsterdam proper. But, like, again, we don't want to hear from fucking Arizona. Um, and Everyone hates you. And um, just make it quick because if you get picked, all the people that didn't get picked hate your guts. <laughs> and now Georgia will put her special picking. Okay. There's Vince, our tour There's manager. Vince. <laughs> okay, can I have the lights up? Anyone have a hometown? Ooh, look at this. Am Whoa. I going to have to pick the only person with her hand up? Come on up. <laughs> yeah, you, you had your hand up. Go to Vince. This way. You got it. All right. Nice. We love running. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Don't yell. Okay, you put the lights down or she'll oh, freak out. Oh, there's people up there too. Hi. Oh, hi, guys. That's crazy. Hi. Oh, hi. It's Tatiana, you guys. Tatiana, everybody. Hi. Oh, and she's got... That's okay. Come here. She's got our jacket on, too. Turn around. Look Yay. at that. Oh, my God. So awesome. 
Oh, yes, that too. Yes, that that too. Where are you from, Tatiana? I'm actually from Canada. Okay. Wait. Wait, wait. (laughs) Okay, okay. I live in Switzerland. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I work for the UN. Okay. (laughs) And then I found out you were touring. And so I was like, oh, let's go to Amsterdam. Thank you. Um, What's your hometown? My hometown is Winnipeg, Manitoba. Okay. <laughs> um, she just doesn't give a fuck about the rules. No, right. no, but okay. Um, I lived all over Canada. My dad is a PhD, so you go where the contract is. And I, I had a crush on a boy who is now in prison for murder for hire. Oh, yes. Okay, what happened? So I was in the seventh and eighth grade in Ontario. And his name was Dennis. And so we used to walk home together. And so I ended up moving around a lot as a child. And then about 10 years ago, a dear friend named Katie emailed me and says, Hey, do you remember Dennis? I'm like, yes, (laughs) I do. And she's like, he's in prison for murder. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) And so, yeah, he um, unfortunately got involved in a murder-for-hire case in Kitchener, Ontario. And he um, currently is in appeals. What did he do? What? So there is a woman who is married to him. I don't know the woman. I don't know the man. But he was apparent, she was apparently married to a man who didn't want to be married oh. to her Ooh. anymore. <laughs> and he hired two people, one of them being this boy. Dennis. I had a crush. He killed he did, did he do it? Currently in the Canadian court system, they're in appeals as to who held the gun. Oh, no. So he did it. He, he did, did it. Yeah. Tatiana, everybody. Uh, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that's it, Amsterdam. That was our show yeah, for you. Yeah, thanks, Amsterdam. We can't believe that we are so freaking lucky that we got to come here to your city and to Europe in general for this podcast that we started in my living room with cats everywhere. So thank you guys so much for making that happen. Also, thank you guys for becoming your own community. That's kind of the coolest thing that we keep watching and hearing about and seeing is the listeners of this show have now become murderinos and the murderinos have started communities all throughout the world and with each other. And so often we do meet and greets at our show. We have people come up and say they have extreme anxiety. They've never gone anywhere by themselves and they come to our show by themselves and then they meet friends at the shows and that is we also have people telling us they've gone back to college to become forensic pathological investigators (laughs) there are people that come up there's a girl in a woman in uh, London who came and showed us her acceptance her college acceptance letters to two different colleges because she was going to study forensics and she had already dropped out of college and thought she would never finish and she decided after listening to this podcast that she was going to go back and is she here is that why you're pointing or no oh oh I thought somebody was like and she's here tonight (laughs) 
Um, but it's just like, we, it's just so funny. It's a, it's a personal conversation George and I started having two years ago that we thought we'd record to see if anybody else cared about it. And now all of a sudden all this other amazing stuff's happening and we get the credit for it. It's so amazing. So thank you so much you for being here, for being so awesome, for being so supportive. Yeah. We can't thank you enough and please stay sexy. And don't. Goodbye, Amsterdam. Thank you.